Hi, this is Kara Ritchie, and you are listening to The Monarchist. Monarch Nation, after the Arkansas State game, we have a victory Sunday for the Monarchist. All right, ODU wins 29-26. How are we feeling, boys? It's me, Mike, Aaron, and Gary are on the call. How are we feeling, guys? I'm feeling really good, but my voice really sucks. I streamed <laughs> too much last night. Oh, When people listen to the Hudson interview we just did, they're going to think that I'm like a 12-year-old boy or something, but it feels good. Yeah, I think we're all a little bit hoarse, a little bit tired from uh, from the game on Saturday, but definitely feels a lot better coming off of a win, especially a, a nice comeback win there in the second half to put us at 2-2 two and two and, you know, 1-0 in the Sun Belt all time, 1-0. So uh, feeling feeling really good today, even if I need some, some hot tea with some bourbon and a good night's sleep. So this was really a tale of two halves. We had the first half, and we had the amazing second half. In the first half, what are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, first half, offense struggled a lot. A lot of factors there. Probably one of the more important ones is Blake Watson was not available for this game. Kind of really bringing that running back room down to, I think, about three active running backs. Watson being out definitely hurt. Uh, Also, their starting field position in the first half, they had six drives. Their starting yards, they were on the 25, the 8, the 13, the 7, the 25, and the 22. Uh, they were really in a hole to get started. Uh, defensively, though, I mean, they were on the field a long, long time and kept us in that game early and really shut down what Arkansas State wanted to do. But, you know, offensively, it had some, some shades of the Virginia game where we did move the ball a little bit. We opened up the first drive with actually three straight passes. They weren't completed, unfortunately, but we kind of got away from that. Let's just run the ball and, and you know try to get to a third and eight or something. Second drive ended up getting down the field, had the missed field goal there, unfortunately. But really just offense was, was stuck in neutral when they were able to get across midfield. So that field goal, I felt really good about that miss. That was a 48-yarder with a lot of room to spare, pushed right. To me, I I would get worried when you're going deep kicks and you start seeing that duck hook or the power slice. We didn't see that. We saw a push. He just pushed it a little right, but the leg is definitely there. That was what I took away from that field goal. Yeah, and I mean, freshman kicker, he's going to miss kicks. I thought he was still solid on, on point afters. Didn't seem too rattled by it. That's a it's a long field goal, especially going down to the open side of the field. It's tough to to see the miss, but I like the way we moved the ball on that drive, uh, even if it didn't result in any points. I agree. Yeah, I'm not worried about him at all, and I like the co- call by coach. When you got to try to take the points, there it was the right thing to do. Didn't work out, but eight out of ten times you come away with points and you're off to a good start. I ran into Jonathan Plisco at halftime, and I said, "How how about that missed kick?" He said uh, he liked it a lot, said we kind of shared the same thoughts. And then he said, just watch out for this kid. By the time he's a senior, he's going to be a monster. So pretty cool to hear that. All right, Gary, so is there is there a certain drive you'd like to break down? 
Yeah, I really just want to keep looking at, at those drives in the first half. After the, the missed field goal, that we were able to, to get the ball back. After that, we got a nice stop. But unfortunately, we were pinned back and, and started that drive deep in our own territory. I had two penalties, one of them being a hold in the end zone for a safety to put them up two to nothing. There, actually, we started that drive on, on the seven. So that really kind of opened things up a little bit for Arkansas State. Uh, they were able to get a, a touchdown on their next drive to make it nine to nothing. Uh, offensively, I, I kind of like some of the things we did with getting uh, Isaiah Page involved, especially in motion from the backfield. When we had some success on those plays, he was able to get four, five, six yards. It kind of loosened up that defense a little bit. We continued to use that motion action behind the line of scrimmage to pull a safety or pull a linebacker out of that that front that was there. Uh, so I thought we did a, a good job of at least trying to loosen up a little bit and not just running up the middle on every play. Defensively, we did some some pretty creative things with the zone blitz scheme to drop some defensive linemen almost back into the second level and let Ryan Henry and Jason Henderson go eat. It, it showed up in the stats column. You know, Jason Henderson had school record 21 tackles. Ryan Henry had 12. Uh, you know, your two linebackers on the field combining for 33 tackles is it's a big load for them to carry, but they did a great job. They were they were flying all over the place. Jason Henderson kind of uh, you know, seems like Roy Kent. You know, he's here, he's there, he's every f and where. That's that's all I could think about watching him run around all night. Henry was punishing dudes yesterday. He had some big hits. Yeah, had a little bit of a, a scoop and slam, I think, there with uh, Artarian uh, later in the game. Um, but want to want to talk a little bit about our fifth drive of the game. I was a little bit before halftime. I got Paige involved early again on, on some first downs through the ball. So it's Jordan Bly. We got into a third and two, and we kind of called that read option play up the middle. It was a slow mesh point. The handoff was made on the third and two. Arkansas State had seven in the box, and they all just crashed up the middle. Fourth and two, basically the same play call, same play design. Again, slow in the mesh point. Arkansas State sent eight that time and stuffed it. Ended up being a turnover on downs. Really kind of kind of hurt us there, especially you know, kind of where we were at that point in the game. Because I believe that the next drive is when Arkansas State got the field goal to make it 12 to nothing. Uh, so a little bit of a, a deflating moment there. You know, I, I posed the question during the game. There's kind of two scenarios. It's one, Hayden in, isn't allowed to keep on those read options. And that's bad because, you know, that's slowing down that mesh point, letting the defense crash in. Or scenario two, He's just not keeping, which is also bad because it slows down the mesh point, lets the defense crash. Either way, if if there's not going to be a, a QB keeper option on those, we need to get away from that styled handoff because all it's doing is just slowing down the action and letting the defense crash in. They were not set up to protect any kind of QB runs. We did go away from that in the second half, which I was very, very happy to see. Uh, but on that fifth drive, when we did get some, some movement, got onto the other side of the field, not being able to convert a third and two and a fourth and two really kind of took the air out of the ball a little bit there towards the end of the first half. Another key play there in the, the first half was the roughing the punter call that would have gotten the defense off the field. Uh, it was really close to being a blocked punt. I mean, we're talking an inch or two off the fingertips, and then Trey Hawkins kind of crashed into uh, the punter at that point. If he tips that ball, it is no longer a penalty. You can blow that punter up if you block the punt. Uh, so it was close. I mean, it was finger fingertip away. Uh, I thought that was a pretty big play. And then Arkansas State's last offensive drive of the first half, they end up getting a field goal out of it. 
kind of the, the trend we've seen from the defense. Arkansas State had a third and 17. We rushed just three and kind of dropped back. Arkansas State was able to get 11 to make it a fourth and six. Uh, fourth and six comes up. Arkansas State goes for it. They're able to convert and eventually get into position to kick the field goal. I will say a fun highlight from that drive, if you want to go back on ESPN Plus and watch it, uh, they tried to throw the ball basically into the end zone. Tobias Harris had coverage and kind of gave a nice over-the-boards hockey hit to the Arkansas State receiver, sent him over top of the boards and out, feet up in the air. Uh, so it's a nice little Tobias Harris highlight. thought he had a really good game. But you know, the, the trend we've seen is that third and like 12-plus, we really just kind of drop eight in coverage, and we've been eaten up on it. Even if they don't get a first down on that play, they set themselves up for the, the fourth and short. And last night, you know, defense held Arkansas State to four of 16 on third down conversions, but they were two for three on fourth down. And that really hurt us not being able to get that defense off the field because I don't remember the exact time of possession, but our defense was out there, I think, for about two-thirds of the game. So I have it right here. Arkansas State time of possession, 38 minutes and 16 seconds. ODU time of possession, 21 minutes and 44 seconds. Yeah, we got to figure out a way – to get that a lot more balanced. Our defense is playing so well, but as the competition ramps up, they've got to be completely fresh and being on the field for, you know, two thirds of the game. Being on the field for 38 minutes a game, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get beat up in a regular season, no matter what. But being on the field for 38 minutes a game, that is just going to happen faster. And as Gary noted during the game to me was, we had some guys injured on the defensive line that weren't playing last night. And you can notice that difference early in the game. And luckily some guys stepped up and played really well. A guy like Devin Brand Epps had a, I mean, he's been great all season, but he had an amazing game last night. Well, and what ends up happening when you're on the field that much too, you end up having guys get 21 tackles. It's awesome that Jason set a record with 21 tackles, but I don't want him getting 21 tackles. And that means we're out there a lot. Well, I mean, that's kind of how our defense is set up. The old ODU defense, it was always the safety that was leading the way with the tackles. So I'll take the linebacker leading the way in tackles. I don't mind him leading. I just don't want him to have 21. Uh, only three were solo. A lot of those were team tackles that he was helping finish. Fair um, enough. Yeah, and some of that was by design where some of those defensive linemen were dropping back a little bit at the second level. We were able to get some some really great penetration and – yeah, Jason Henderson, Ryan Henry are right there at the line of scrimmage making those, but those tackles add up. Like Jason Henderson's a tough dude. He's nursing, I'm sure, a couple of injuries right now. I mean, it's nothing else, just bumps and bruises and, you know, it, it's some, some violent collisions there. Uh, we know Amori Morrison was out. We don't know if he will be back anytime soon. We don't know the extent of that injury. I have a couple other guys that are just banged up. We were able to rotate, I think, seven or eight defensive linemen in. I don't think I saw Stevie Williams the whole night. I'm not sure why he was out, but, you know, that's a, a nice presence to have there in that linebacking core. And I think that's why you saw Henderson and Henry get get some more snaps there. We're almost a victim of our offensive success in a way, though, too. If you look at our touchdown drives this season, we only have one touchdown drive that was more than 10 plays. And that was the second touchdown against UVA. We went 11 plays and 80 yards. Against Tech, we had one that was nine plays, 74 yards. Uh, East Carolina, I mean, it was just score, score, score. I think it was two and four and five play drives. And then Saturday night, we scored six plays, 78, 
two for 75 and four for 29. So we really haven't had those long sustained drives and being able to grind out the clock like we had last year with Blake Watson getting 20, 25 carries. Uh, so it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like you, you need to score points and the only way you score points is if you go quickly and score fast. But at the same time, that's throwing your defense out there over and over. I mean, 38 minutes on the field. We haven't won a ton of possession battles this season and hadn't even been close. Not having Blake out there last night, that's obviously a tough situation. But the silver lining on that is the other guys stepped up and they got quite a few carries and some good experience. And hopefully that will pay dividends in us going forward and being able to lay the foundation for some of those more sustained drives to help the defense not be on the field quite so much. Yeah, I would say that was a really good game for Obi Sinai to gain some learning experiences for the future. Um, he had eight carries. I think he had one reception. So we always see Wicks on the field, but Sinai getting that much volume is uh, a good thing in a win. If it was a loss, we'd it'd be a little bit of a different story. But with the win, I'm comfortable with Obi getting that experience. Yeah, and, and Keyshawn Wicks, I thought, played really well, especially in the second half. We were able to loosen up that defense a little bit. He did a great job of being patient, working into space, breaking tackles. He busted off one run for about 15 yards. Uh, he's He's got a lot of, of special ability there, and I think him getting more and more carries is just going to benefit us moving forward, You know, especially if Watson may not be healthy or you know, he may just need a break if we, we kind of figure out this running attack. All right, so halftime score was 12 zip correct final score was 29 26 are we ready to dive into the second half and all the beauty of it absolutely all right second half starts out with a six play 78 yard touchdown from the monarchs we started that drive out with actually a loss for five yards with a run to Bly. It wasn't a great way to, to start off that drive. I, I think th- if you want to point to one play that ignited the offense, it's that third and 11 play. Koontz ran kind of a, a deep drag across the field, made the catch. He was dragging two defenders about nine yards down the field, got the first down. It was a 34-yard gain, and that changed just the whole attitude on the sideline. Everybody was reengaged, and then right after that, the big pass. To Ali. Well, but even before Ali, we have a 12 yard run from Wicks, which, what, what happens when you start passing the ball well? Run lanes open up. And got a good one for 12 yards, getting us down to the 33, which sets up that big pass to Ali on the one, which we all thought was a touchdown and then called back. I think it was the right call. Guy in the booth did a good job there. Yeah, it, it was a good call. I think it's the second time he's had a touchdown taken away from him that was right down there, one against Tech. So he should have two more more touchdown passes. Um, but he did a, a great job on a nice double move there. Pass was right on the money from Hayden. We got to figure out how to do that in, in the first half and get things rolling. We've been so slow out of the gate in the first half. It's almost like Hayden needs that big play to come from Ali or Koontz or something early just to get that momentum, because he, he looked like a different quarterback after that pass to Kuntz. So it's, it's now 12-7, and Arkansas State hits right back with a three-play 75-yard drive, moving it to 19-7. to 
Yeah, and I mean, that was just a, a great pass by Blackman, a great catch by Freeman. I thought Tobias Harris had about the best possible coverage that you could have on a receiver. I mean, he was painted to the front of his jersey. Just a, a great play. Um, but that kind of, I think, woke the crowd up a little bit to think, all right, we're in a slugfest now. This is not going to be a knockdown grinding kind of game. We're, we're going to see some shots here. All right. So now we're at 19-7. ODU punches back, bringing it to 19-14 after a beautiful two-play 75-yard drive, which all of it pretty much comes on a pass to Ali from Hayden, 77 yards. Yeah, I went back and watched this today. Beautiful double move by Ali. The corner completely bit in. The safety was on the other side of the field. Ali actually got horse collar tackled around like the four and still drug it into the end zone. I mean, you just you need to add something else to his draft package. There you go, just dragging defenders. I'm not quite sure how the officials missed that. I mean, we saw that from the 25-yard line of the opposite end of the field. I don't know. You guys had a different view from across the field from me too. Was it clear to you guys? Yeah, it was very obvious. So next four drives for both teams combined, we exchange punts. Then comes the interception. The beautiful, beautiful. It's everyone loves a big fat guy touchdown, and nothing better than Devin Brant's running it. How, how long did? How far did he have to run? Was it like what, 15 yards? 16, 16 yard interception. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the second time that the DV Harris has done that. He did that against the against FIU last year. I think it was a thirty nine yard interception return for a touchdown. I mean, just just awesome. But the the pressure on that play was incredible. Marcus Haynes was coming from one side, crushing Blackman in the backfield. Chris Kane also had good pressure. They basically just pincered in from the outside and he threw it there and, and DB looked like he had uh, from the replacements had all that stick him on his hands because the ball went up and just stuck and he almost looked surprised for about a tenth of a second and then he was off and running I think Artarian Johnson had a uh, quite a block on that play if you go back and watch it too the thick six as we call it definitely got the got everything fired up and, and gave us our first lead all right so Arkansas State Response with a long 11 play, 80 yard drive, bringing the score to 26 to 21. Blackman extended that drive quite a few times with his feet, did a pretty good job for overall, in my opinion. And then AJ Mayer also came in. That was when they started cycling in AJ Mayer and getting runs with him. And we had heard about him when we talked to Kara Ritchie. She had mentioned him. He was a real deal carrying the ball. I mean, I had shades of Thomas DeMarco just knifing through defenses. I don't know if we saw him throw the ball one time, though. He didn't come up on the stat sheet at all with any. No, um, and it, they the first time that they tried that was the play before the D.B. Harris pick six. And I think it's kind of the old saying, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I thought they had moved the ball pretty well with, with Blackman all night. I don't know why they decided to go to that, but that drive, it paid off. We have really struggled to stop running quarterbacks this year. We faced some good ones, but we have a hard time containing. We have a hard time spying. Running quarterbacks have, have killed us this season, and we saw it on display again. 
later in that second half when it became pretty apparent that when he was in the game, it was going to be some sort of read option. We just started sending eight. Basically, we did to, to Arkansas State what they were doing to us when they knew we were running. And we started getting some stops that way. But he is athletic, he's elusive, and he's a strong runner. Yeah, I, mean, I remember telling you, why don't we just stack the box whenever he's on the field? It's obviously he's not going to throw. And we did. So, and I think it was end up being a crucial point in the game. All right. So they score a touchdown, we punt, and then they fumble. That fumble was huge. Sets up a short touchdown drive for ODU, which eventually ends up being the game-winning touchdown. That was kind of the start of the point of the game where we started sending a lot of guys from the secondary to blitz. Terry Jones forced that fumble. Bibby recovered it we really started getting creative on the defensive side of the ball because you can only blitz those linebackers so many times before they can't move their legs anymore. So seeing, you know, Artarian getting back there on some blitzes, Terry Jones, and they had a pretty clutch double safety blitz towards the end of the game. All right, so the game-winning touchdown drive. We're going to go play-by-play here. Starts out, Isaiah Page runs five yards. Second play, Ronda... OB for two yards. Third play, Hayden incomplete. Fourth play, Hayden incomplete, but they throw a, a PI on the, the corner covering Javon Harvey. Huge play. Arkansas State responds by calling a timeout. First play after the timeout, the Zach Coons touchdown pass. I, I still can't believe he made it in there. I thought he was going to fall, but but what a run by Zach there. Yeah, talk about maintaining balance after he got hit and just staying in, keeping the awareness of where he was on the field, getting his momentum turned back up the field, and then making the dive to the pylon to get in there. It was pretty awesome. Uh, our receivers have done a good job this year of winning the position battle on corners, especially on fourth down. I think we've had four fourth downs converted by drawing pass interference. Some are pretty obvious, you know, Ali getting tackled towards the end of that Virginia game because he was going to get open. But Harvey did a good job of getting position on the corner. Corner looks up for the ball and basically just runs him right over. Easy call there. Uh, but Koontz, I mean, the, the nimble giant going down the sideline there, breaking tackles, that happened right there in front of our section, and we were pretty pumped up. And then we go for two on this play. And this is probably – one of my favorite play calls of the game. And yes, it was a run up the middle. You all can be mad about it all you want. Big Sal pulled from right tackle on that play and came inside. And I I don't know who number 21 is for Arkansas State, but he has got to be in an ice bath because Sal absolutely leveled him and easy run into the end zone after that. Koontz also pulled and had a big block. But using that tackle pull to open up the middle – in an obvious running situation was huge and want to give a shout out to, to Big Sal and also just the, the rest of the offensive line from Saturday. They were they were back to the big nasty machine again. All right, so after that, we're up 29-26. There's still a lot of time left. There's over six minutes left on the clock. Next drive from Arkansas State is an eight-play, 21-yard drive that ends up turnover on downs. ODU takes it over. We run a few times. 
run a minute of clock off. So Arkansas State has the ball with a minute left, and they're only down three. They had every chance to tie it up or even take the lead at this point. But we put the put the game in the defense's hands, and they do not let us down. Fantastic drive by the defense on that final drive. They were everywhere, especially Artarian Johnson with that big tackle for loss. I love this defense. Defense ends up with seven sacks. Gary, maybe you know, I do not. Is that is that a record for you, seven sacks in a game? I haven't seen anyone report it as a record. I know we had some games where we had quite a few, but it, it, it's got to be close. You're going to get a lot of sacks when the other team's throwing that many times, and I think they ran 83 or 84 plays. But the the play on that drive that really ended it, like you could you saw Butch Jones on the sideline screaming at James Blackman to get up, but he just got popped by Artarian Johnson on a beautiful double safety blitz. Like, we, we kind of went away from what we did at the end of the UVA game that let them come down the field and get that game-winning field goal. We didn't drop eight in coverage. We didn't even drop seven in coverage. We brought six guys, and we brought them from places that they hadn't really seen blitzes from and got right back there. James Blackman did not want to get up. He didn't want to run another play. He did. It didn't go well. We win the game. I think Butch Jones popped a couple more veins in his head. It was so impressive to see that defense go back out there one more time, make huge plays to win that game course. Well, who didn't Butch Jones yell at? He was losing his mind all game down right in front of you guys. Well, I, I think that those Sunbelt refs got worn out from both sides of the field. Coming out of halftime, I know Ricky was chewing their ear from the tunnel back to the sideline on the, the just the horrible spot. I think Arkansas State had like a third and 17. Uh, they broke a run to the outside. They spotted him at like the 32 when he'd really run out at about 27. Ricky just stood on the spot and screamed at the referees throughout the entire review. He was really animated in that second half, probably more than I've seen from him in a game before, except for maybe the second half of Buffalo, which this game felt a lot like in a, in a lot of ways. It was also the first time that I've seen Coach Ronnie pull out a whiteboard and draw something up for the offense on the sideline as well. It happened more in front of where you were on, on that side of the stadium, Aaron, but I had a couple people tell me about it. But he really brought some extra energy for this one. He talked about it a little bit in his post-game press conference of, of bringing that energy in getting a little bit more animated than his normal kind of even keel self and the players responded to it. All right, fellas. So we had an awesome game. Defense came strong from the kickoff to the very end. Offense comes together in the second half and puts together an awesome second half. Are there any players you want to individually recognize? Yeah, I've got two. Xavier Black in the locker room post game, getting awarded the scholarship. It's been a lot of fun watching him develop over the first four games. I thought he played his best game of the season last night. I mean, he was shoving guys around all over the place, calling protection. Pretty cool video and info coming out post-game that he is now on, on scholarship. So very happy for, for him and his family. I know they've, they've been, been working hard to get him, get him to that point, so happy for him. The other person I want to shout out is Ethan Duane, uh, the, the amazing Aussie punter that we have now. That was the first time that his family has been in attendance. He's had a, a tough road at ODU with basically getting to campus, COVID happening, not being able to go home. Team really rallied around him. I know Hayden and, and Hayden's family stepped up for him in a big way. So did the staff. But 
to have them there and then also for him to have just an incredible game last night. Really that, that punt that he had towards the end that pinned Arkansas State back within their own five was, was huge in helping out the defense. Also, he had a, a, a punt that kind of blew my mind. He was standing at the ODU 20, and he punted it, and it got fielded at the Arkansas State 11 as the receiver was kind of backpedaling. Almost fell down. We, we didn't tackle real well. He ended up getting 14 yards, but that was an absolute bomb of a punt. Uh, so very happy for him to, to put on a great performance and have his family there waiting for him after the game. And my shout-out is going to be to the running back, crew so Blake was out of the game so some guys had to step up you know it doesn't show up in the stats only uh, officially 74 yards gained but there were some big runs at big times we've talked about them a little bit already but a lot of guys that don't have a lot of experience game time experience that came in and did what they needed to do when they needed to do it it made a big impact on the game and mine is going to go to Ryan Henry. I have a lot of fun watching that guy hit people. <laughs> three and a half. He has a 12 tackles, five or solo, one sack, three and a half tackles for a loss. He was, and he had a, a QB hurry as well. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch last night. Yeah, he was terrifying some people in the Arkansas State backfield. That was that was fun. And yeah, he's he can can take some people's heads off. It's fun to see. Hey, one other person I want to shout out, and this isn't not going to show up in the stats either. It's both as a gutsy call by the coaches and then being in the right place and being physical and making things happen was Javon Harvey fighting for a position to get that P.I. call. That was a big P.I. call, and, um, you know, he didn't let the, the defender take advantage of his position. He held ground and got that call, and that was a really big one. All right, fellas. And before we go, I'm going to just note Ollie Jennings. He's number two in the country in yards right now. So between him and Jason Henderson leading the, the country in tackles, we got two Monarchs who could really make a name for themselves this year, I believe already have. But now the focus, we're on to Liberty. Who knows when this game will be played and what the weather's going to be like. I have a feeling it's probably going to stay on Saturday and it's going to just be a sloppy mess, but I'm, I'm really excited about this game and what the opportunities lie ahead for us because Liberty's taken our lunch money the last few times out and it's time to exact some revenge. What are your thoughts on this Liberty team, Gary? Yeah, I saw the, the line come out just a little while ago. Old Dominion is going to be a two point underdog, at least to start. There's just a lot of unknowns with Liberty. They ended up having to start their third-string quarterback on Saturday against Akron. It was Jonathan Bennett. Wasn't great. 13 for 27, 152 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He actually got benched on their last touchdown drive of the game for a quarterback who did not attempt to pass, uh, more of a, a running style, kind of what we saw, that, that alternate look from Arkansas State. That line could move drastically. Charlie Brewer is, is questionable for Liberty. Obviously, he's coming from, from Power 5. He's a strong passer. He got hurt first game of the season. Caden Salter has been their quarterback since Brewer went out. He has a groin injury, unknown if he's going to play on Saturday. Salter could be a nightmare for ODU's defense. He's their second leading rusher. He's got 216 yards on the ground and two touchdowns in basically two and a half games. 
passing wise, completing 55% of his passes, four touchdowns, three interceptions. So not, not a big passer, but definitely strong with his feet can create plays. And that has given us fits this season. Not quite the Liberty that we saw last year that was ranked and, and just looked like world beaters. Uh, they've, they've lost some guys in that team, but they still have a boatload of talent, a boatload of transfer talent. They're going to be well coached. Uh, it, it's going to be, hey, if you haven't heard this before, it's going to be a tough game coming up for us on Saturday. Yeah, that's the song of the season for 2022, huh? Yeah, what would you guys say? A sloppy, wet field, who does that favor? The team with the running quarterback. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the team with the best running game is going to win. Um, luckily, we play on an artificial surface that drains really well, so it's not going to be as bad as, as you know if we were on a natural surface. But Liberty has a great running back, Day Day Hunter. Um, he went for 118 and a touchdown uh, on Saturday against Akron. He had a lot of carries, just three touchdowns on the season. He's he's a really dynamic runner, and if you've got a running quarterback paired with that, they're really hard to stop in the backfield. Defensively. You know, Liberty's runs a similar defense to what we saw UVA run, kind of some three, four looks, some kind of weird four, two, five sometimes as well. You're going to see a lot of different fronts there. They had two great defensive ends, Trace Sean Clark and Darrell Johnson. They've got a combined six and a half sacks. They have 13 sacks as a team. They've got some, some beef on the outside ends of those defensive lines that we're going to have to account for. And one kind of interesting stat from from looking at Liberty, they've scored 40% of their points in the fourth quarter this season. So to me, that tells me that running game is wearing down the defense, that they're finally able to take advantage of that and blow up in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that would they've, be, they've, without looking, that would be what I would guess is happening. Yeah, that, that's what you've seen a lot of. You've also seen a lot of nice comebacks in the fourth quarter, pointing to the Wake Forest game. They were a two-point conversion away from being Wake Forest and being undefeated right now. And, you know, Wake Forest went to overtime with Clemson. They're, they're a good team. Liberty, just they, they've been winning the last couple of years. They have that win, winning mindset of, like, we can go make plays at the end. And that's the way I feel about ODU right now. Like, if we need a touchdown drive with a minute 30 to go, I feel confident that we can go get it. One kind of other person to watch for, and I'm sure when you, you talk to Liberty's beat writer this week, they'll talk about Demario Douglas. Not a big guy, 5'8", 170. He's from Duval. Shout out to the Jags for the win today. Um, but he's got four touchdown receptions this year, 20 catches for 312 yards. He's accounted for four of their six receiving touchdowns this season. So he's, he's super fast. He's elusive. He'll get away from me real fast. He's someone that we're going to have to account for in that defense, aside from you know, possibly Salter coming back and Hunter out of the, the backfield. So I want to make one note. I might regret making this note, but we have a now six-game home winning streak. Ricky has eight wins in his career at ODU. Six of them are at home. Uh, clearly, we're a better team under Ricky at home. So that that's at least one benefit. This is a home game. Tough opponent, but I like that we're in Norfolk for this one. Anything's better than going to Lynchburg and not being able to tailgate on a dry campus. So I'll definitely take the game in Norfolk. ODU fans, uh, get your ponchos. Uh, hopefully this game is still played on Saturday. But, yeah, get your ponchos, show up, get loud. You could tell that defense was feeding off the crowd that was there on Norfolk, especially late in the game. All the guys putting their hands up on third down, getting loud. 
they're, they're going to need it because I promise you there are going to be a lot of Liberty fans buying Virginia Tech season tickets on StubHub for, you know, 10 bucks there. Yeah. Plus, yeah. plus $7 in fees. <laughs> hey, but the good news is I think the football field is the best draining spot in the entire city of Norfolk. So if you can make it into the stadium, you'll be all right. Yeah, the stands might be the only dry spot in that area. We'll, we'll see about the blue lot. You know, half that's underwater. Someone flushes the toilet twice in a row. So, uh, you know, that might be the one dry spot for you to go to. But uh, hopefully that, that hurricane tropical storm will, will steer clear of us. Because, you know, if it comes down to a running battle, we, we haven't performed well there this season. One fun note for you, their field goal kicker is just four for nine this season. So if there's maybe a, a last-minute kick that needs to be made on a wet field, yeah, you know, Liberty probably doesn't want their kicker trotting out there for a 40, 45 yarder. So I looked on stuff up. You get tickets for as cheap as $8 for this game. Is that including fees? No, that's pre fees. A lot of tickets are about 11 bucks. Our section, Gary, is the apparently, according to StubHub, the most popular section sales wise in the whole stadium for this game. So. Hopefully we have a PAX 107 this time around. It can't be a coincidence. It has to be because of you guys. I think so. I mean, we're rowdy. We get loud. We get the other people involved. I mean, we had randoms hugging us after the game. It was it was awesome. Also, Jeff yeah, yeah. Jones and the basketball team are in our section. So, I don't know, man. It's a good section. Yeah, we uh we had a lot of fun over there on Saturday. I think we ended up on the broadcast a couple times. At some point, I'm wearing sunglasses I shouldn't be wearing, but I'll avoid that point. <laughs> well, between your outfit, Gary, and Mike's mustache, you make for good TV. It stands out. Have our own sitcom there. Yeah. All right. So we did pretty well not doing a prediction last week. I think we need to stick with that. And having our celebratory pregame fireball shot this week, which we didn't right. have before. I made sure we had that this time around, and we won. So we got to do fireball. We might have to be at a bar somewhere instead of tailgating if the weather's that bad, but we're going to make it happen. I'll bring my water wings and a snorkel. You can just pour it right down there. We'll be we'll be in good shape. But Scuba yeah, Steve. Not, yes. Uh, yeah, no, my... Not, I might be taking my kayak to the game this time around. They got a bike rack that you can lock it up to over there. And just bring a long rope in case the, go, the water level goes up. I got paddle boards if you guys want to ride with me. Oh, awesome. Let's do yeah, it. I, I, uh, I agree, though, no prediction. But one thing I will say is that if Salter starts, the defense is going to have to find another gear on stopping a running quarterback. Because if Salter's in there and he gets going with his feet, it could be a long day. We'll see who starts. I mean, you know, groin injuries typically take a couple of weeks to get fully right because you don't know what they're like until you get out there and start running. So we'll we'll see what they bring. We'll see what the field is like. But as we saw with college football this weekend, crazy stuff happens. It's been happening all season long. So suit them up, put your helmet on, go out there, hit somebody, and we'll see what happens. Groin injuries and wet fields don't tend to work well together either. Well, I would also caution you guys to think, Oh, does he have a real groin injury or were they just kind of giving him a week off so he could prepare for a tougher opponent? That's also a possibility. Yeah, he did come out, I think, a couple times against Wake. So I think there is something there. Could have been a precaution, though, for sure. I think we're very likely to see Blake Watson back in the lineup on Saturday. But we'll see, you know, who else kind of emerges after a tough game against Arkansas State. Like 
we've been really lucky on injuries until the UVA game. Lost Chris, Chris Adams, Maury Morrison, have the other guys that are banged up. Uh, but if we can get through Liberty, if we come out of that three and two, we go into a bye week, let some guys get healthy, and then we kind of jump right into the teeth of the Sun Belt schedule, which who knows what's going to happen. We all thought App State was the best team in the Sun Belt, and they blew a the Falcon style blew a 28-3 lead to JMU. So be interesting. Yeah, Marshall beats Notre Dame, and then they've had a couple. Yeah, this is weird. It's a weird one. Also, South Alabama is increasingly looking really tough. Yes, that's going to be another tough road game at the end of the season for us. So we should try to get to six wins before we have to make that nasty road trip of App State in South Alabama. The Marshall last two losses, I blame those on, uh, you know, go herd, please don't die on Twitter for saying that the only team they were worried about on the rest of their schedule was JMU after the Notre Dame game. You know, got to watch out for Bowling Green and a good Troy team. Troy is a good team. They're probably the best team in the West right now. Yeah, I'm still shocked that ULM beat Louisiana, but what a year in the Sun Belt. Poor Rage and Review guys. Feel feel for them after that one, after being so dominant last season. I think the biggest shocker of the weekend had to be, uh, well, that halftime turnaround for JMU was great, but the MTSU smoke, like smoking Miami after yeah. what, how they played this season is just, I don't understand college football. And the more I watch it, the less I understand. That is one I was like, there's no way. I mean, I did put money on MTSU on the spread, but I didn't expect them to win. It's like someone is shaking up a magic eight ball every week. It just, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's wild to watch. And Coach Seiler, I'm sure, was happy on Saturday night getting out of that game and watching K-State finish off Oklahoma again. The, the 4-2-5 defense that K-State still runs is, is a beast for a reason. I'm sorry. <laughs> Trying to hold it together, but Aaron's video is glitching, and all he's doing is this over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that we can have some fun with Photoshop. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll Photoshop you, something else in there. <laughs> Aaron, it was glitching for like one minute of you just doing that over and over again. It was pretty great. Well, thank God this is an audio podcast, not a video. Also, I, I told you guys the Raiders would lose today. You guys should have put money on that. No way my teams go 3-0 every weekend. It's impossible. Yeah, their, their touchdown at the end broke my perfect early game streak. But I, I guess I can forgive him for that. I, I sent you all the, uh, what that ticket looked like when it got yeah. cashed today. So, All right, fellas. Well, I think this is a good place to – you can chop all that stuff off here. Um, what, this part? <laughs> all of that discussion. You weren't chopping, buddy. <laughs> all of that discussion from you, uh, shaking the eight ball. Shaking the eight ball. All right. I'll see how it comes out. <laughs> All right, fellas. We have no idea when this game will be played. It's supposed to be Saturday at 6. I hope it is. I'd much prefer that to a Thursday game because I, I don't think anyone's going to ask off early on a Thursday to get out on time. And I would be worried about how empty Ballard would be if we're playing on Thursday. So hopefully I see you guys on Saturday in a raucous Ballard Stadium in the rain. And... I can't wait. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.